Welcome to Rocket Accelerated Geek Conversation. I'm Simone de Rochefort, and I am joined today by my two favorite people in the world, Brianna Wu, Head of Development at Giant Space Cat and International Superstar as of last <laughs> week, I guess, with your with your talk. Oh my gosh. It went really well. It went really well. It keeps going well. And Christina Warren, Senior Tech Correspondent at Mashable. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. I'm super good. Um, it's it's been um it's been a weird week, but I'm but I'm good. I'm I'm glad to be here with my two favorite people. It on the has world. been a really weird week. What is up with? Is it just because we are all super busy for like two weeks in a row, and then now everything's kind of calming down, and I feel like I want to crawl under my bed and never leave it? Is that why? Is that why it's weird? You guys? Yeah, I think so. I think, and it's it's like we're. At least here in New York, anyway, it's super freaking hot. Yep. So we're like at that point now where it's like the sticky, gross hot. And even though it's just Ugh. the end of June, it feels like midsummer, even though summer technically just started. Yeah. And I'm like over the heat already. And I'm like, I just want to go to sleep. I just want to go like lay by a beach or a pool that's, and be done with everything. That's here too. It hasn't rained in weeks here. And uh, I think we're the next California. We're dying. We're dying, Christina. Dying on the vine like grapes. But, you know, I always feel like um, I always feel like I'm whining about this because, like, Christina, you grew up in the South, too. So yes. hot in the South is like you're outside it's of Old Miss and it's 105 degrees and <laughs> you're like darting into different buildings to get to get a Diet Coke just so you don't die of heat exhaustion. <laughs> the, the one advantage, however, of being in the South is that there is centralized air conditioning everywhere. So <sighs> whereas when it's muggy and gross in the North, you just have like you know, like window units, you know what I mean? Like there's no central air. Yeah. Yeah. It's inefficient. It's not, it's not engineered from the ground up to solve like, you know, the heat sucking, you know, like it's all these, these lazy fixes. And it's just, oh, and the worst is like when you check into a hotel in New York in like June and they don't have like air conditioning and you're like, well, WTF, you know, it's just <laughs> Exactly. Oh my God. Speaking of the South. That's a good segue, Brianna. <laughs> it's like it was planned. I know. It's like we rehearsed this entire thing. We, we are didn't. we really not going to have any nonsense before the show today? We're just going right into it? We're going I right into it? I was just rolling. I, I, saw, right. I saw an opportunity, and I took advantage of it. All right. Okay? Let's do it. Applaud my initiative. I'm, I'm proud of you. I'm proud of you. <laughs> if I figure if we're super fast, we're super pumped, or we'll, we'll get like – more energy and everyone will be super impressed with us. I'll use the word super 10 more times in that sentence. More importantly, uh, following the example of Amazon and eBay and Walmart, Apple has removed Confederate flags from the Apple store, which is an awesome move, first of all, but also they kind of went the sledgehammer approach to it and took out a bunch yeah. of apps or games rather that had historical perspective and educational apps. Um, that they said we're using the the flag in offensive or mean-spirited ways, but it's kind of seeming now that it was just them having a panic reaction to the political climate. What do you guys think? Yeah, no, this is weird. So, you know, to, to give some background, so, you know, after the, the, the terrible events with the, you know, the kind of the terrorism um, and, and, and like the, the massacre that happened in, in Charleston, um, there's been a, finally a renewed and like public outcry against the Confederate flag. And yes, you know, I, I grew up in Georgia. Where even the current state flag is a version of the Confederate flag, 
but it doesn't have the X. But we we had the X on our state flag until 2003. And in fact, the guy who ran for governor that year, Sonny Perdue, who then won, he, he was elected twice, actually ran on a platform to bring back the Confederate flag. Like that yeah. was actually his platform. Wow. And then he, once he got elected, he sort of pushed out and he was like, well, I can't really force the legislator to do this. But I mean, like I grew up in a place where they put the, put the X on the flag in like the 50s, you know, in, in, in purely racial terms in Stone Mountain where, mm-hmm. um, which isn't far from where I grew up. Um, they, they had like this uh, laser light show every year. And up until like 10 years ago at the end of the light show, like there would be a Confederate flag um, wow. done and they, and they had to change it and make it an American flag. But it's one of those things where I've grown, grown up seeing this like be accepted Um I it's never been accepted in my house or, or people that I've known, but it's been kind of an accepted part of Southern culture. And so on the one hand, it's awesome to see it finally go away. And I'm, I've been very vocally against the the flag. And I've, and, and when people have come at me on Twitter or Facebook, I'm like, <laughs> and, and try to call me names like a Northern. I'm like, first of all, I'm probably more Southern than you are. Uh, second of all, like, don't, don't talk to me. You know, you're, you're a racist redneck if you're defending this. But um, on the one hand, I think it's great that they're getting rid of this stuff especially some of the apps were like Confederate flag apps that were literally yeah, just like, apps oh of my the God. flag. Yeah. But when you get into educational apps, like apps about the history of the civil war or even strategy games about the civil war, this is where I'm going, okay, hold up, hold up, hold up. Uh, are we supposed to pretend that this didn't happen and that this, you know, can't be used even as a graphic in the game? I mean, it's not as if we take World War II games and, you know, make them devoid of, of any sorts of, 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 you know, like... Nazi imagery. Um, Nazi imagery or... Exactly. I mean, or, you know, the film Gettysburg is still in the in the um, uh, yeah. iTunes movie store. So, I don't know. I, I feel like they've overreacted to the point where... Like I'm, I'm all about getting rid of anything that is celebrating the flag. But if you're talking about having, you know, educational apps, and there are some great things out there on the Civil War, um, which is a really important war to study, or mm-hmm. you know, a strategy game that is not in any way glorifying what happened. But you, sorry, you've got to play North versus South, and how do you identify <laughs> the South? You should probably use flags. Uh, yeah, I don't know. It's interesting because it seems like they uh, went nuke it from orbit, but <laughs> I feel like they would have to have looked at those apps before taking them down. And Bria, I'd like your um, input on that, I guess, because is there a way that they could I just mass identify apps that use that graphic? Or well, that's probably what they did. Um, but look, let's let's look at this in historical context. I mean, anyone that has followed Apple for a long time is not going to be surprised by this action. Like <laughs> Apple, when they choose to act on something, they have a long, long, long history of overreacting and then coming back and kind of refining it later. They have it with the App Store. Like when, you know, Steve wrote, Steve Jobs allegedly like wrote the uh, first version of the App Store rules, which still stand today, most of them, even though they've been updated. And like one of the rules there was like, thanks, we've got enough fart apps. And like for <gasps> a long time after that, like fart apps were rejected like crazy. <laughs> so, um, you know, it's, you know, Christina, I completely agree with you. This is an over reaction, obviously, is a matter of long-term policy. Um, this is not something that Apple needs to keep. You know, we, we should be able to have this image in a historical context. But as an iOS developer, um, anyone that goes into this market 
and anyone that chooses to you know develop and 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 spend their you know be an entrepreneur in this environment knows that the app store is probably the most censored platform that you can bring software to today like that's just a fact and yeah you know, the truth is any developer working on that constantly lives in in fear of these mm. kind of arbitrary apple rulings against them uh you know apple very famously banned an app with political cartoons in it mm-hmm. um because they thought it was just what christina do you remember what it was it was like extreme was speech or something extreme speech yeah. or something and, yeah. and then and it was from a pulitzer, Pri- right. a pulitzer, pulitzer prize, winner. prize winner and then they came back and allowed that app and amended their rule because mm-hmm. when i was looking at the rules today trying to go what exactly does this violate it and it's not there um, you know, like they did come back and make it right. They also famously, they've got rid of a swimsuit app where women could go buy, you know, swimsuits saying it was sexual. <laughs> it, was, it was like <laughs> pornography. They came back, they made that right. Um, you know, they've gotten rid of nursing apps. They came back and they made that right. So, you know, like I, I have every confidence this is going to be worked out. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I do too. Quickly. I guess it just, I mean, and I understand them wanting to nuke some of the stuff. Um, we've heard conflicting things things from them. On the one hand, uh, we've heard kind of like unofficially that they've been talking to developers who have things in the proper context about working with them, getting their apps back in the store. But some of those developers have said the only way they can get the apps back in the store is if they actually remove all instances of the Confederate flag from their apps. And again, if it's not done in a hateful context, if it's done in a historical context, I kind of have a problem with that because in Germany, there are very clear laws um, about any sorts of Nazi imagery about, you know, having the swastika or having references to stuff like there's, there are actually laws involved. And, and for Germany, that's, that's fine. Um, but you know, the United States, we're kind of built on free speech. And, um, although free speech doesn't mean that you can like have a hateful flag, um, flying over the Capitol building. And that's probably something that should be amended. Even though Apple obviously sets its own rules, I guess as a as an individual, as much as I find the the Confederate flag abhorrent, if it's not being done in a way that's promoting the Confederacy, I'm really bothered by having such a stance taken where we're whitewashing history. I guess. Yeah, and I don't think it's good for the App Store in the long run. I mean, you know, one of the things I really worry about with Apple. Um, is I worry about their platform five, 10 years down the road. And, you know, like, Christina, we've talked a lot about the new Apple kind of starting at last year's WWDC. Um, I remember being at the State of the Union with you and yes. wanting to live tweet some of the things I was seeing and then being like, after I'd done it for a while, being like, oh my God, I just violated the App Store rules. I could have my app pulled for talking about private stuff in here. Mm-hmm. And then that year, like Apple was like, you know like, what? No, it's okay. <laughs> they were a lot more open about that. But for years, that has been something they for really For years, you couldn't do on. it. You, you couldn't say anything. No, Absolutely. I mean, and it was last year was the first year that they let anybody write anything right. about it. Last year was the first year they gave you know, some members of the press access to go to WWDC and attend the the, the sessions and and write things Mm -hmm. on background. Yeah, absolutely. So my point is, when I worry about the long term, like viability of the App Store, I really do. It's not just this, it's a confluence of factors. 
you know, everything from like indie app developers kind of being squeezed out by by bigger by bigger people and the high cost of user acquisition, like a uh, many, many factors coming together, including this kind of overreaction to the Confederate flag, makes me really wonder if the app store is gonna be viable five years from now, which is the true power of the iPhone. So I think it's in Apple's best interest to kind of get this overreaction in check. Yeah, because if this, we all, I think we, there is the sense that eventually the apps that are using it in a historical context will make their way back onto the app store. But this has happened over and over and over again. And it makes you wonder what, what is the better way to deal with a situation like this where there, there are offensive things out there that could be, um, mixed up with non-offensive things. How, what is the better way for Apple to get a lot of, content off of the store quickly Hmm. and do damage control without affecting the people that are using it correctly. I think that, um, I think that they've been not very open about the, the curation process and the review Mm. process. That's a good point. I, I truly, I, I truly don't think I know enough about their process to even have an informed opinion about yeah, that. Christina, yeah. do you have any insider info? Not really. I mean, yeah, again, they kind of operate in a black box. Like you said, they have these app guidelines, um, and, and they change those every so often. But, I mean, kind of one of their things is kind of what they say goes and, and yeah. um, how they can go about identifying stuff. I don't know if they have an algorithm or what, if they're just searching for things, you know, confederate you know, uh, with a keyword or if they're looking for something in the app icon or the screenshots, they might have run some sort of image image career that way. I don't know. I almost wonder if they had a a timed period where they announced the rule change and then let people maybe file to keep their apps on the store if they were historical, et cetera, et cetera. And then well, yeah, I mean, they else. certainly do that with different uh, frameworks. Like, you yeah. can't use this framework anymore. Christine, I was hoping you had a um, iOS device with uh, <laughs> with the beta <laughs> 2 on it, because I'm very curious how Rev60 is going to work with the new uh, 32-bit, uh, 64-bit uh, restrictions mm-hmm. on it. But they, they do that quite a bit, saying, mm-hmm. like, this is going away, you need to stop using this. They've done that with some content before, haven't they? Or am I mistaken um, about that? With content, I don't think they have, but they certainly have with frameworks and they certainly have like with uh for instance mac apps when they uh you know added sandboxing yeah Mm -hmm. you know there was a thing where they basically said if you're not sandboxed you've got to um you know you can't issue updates to your app but we can keep it in the app store for x period of time Mm -hmm. and then i think they might have removed some of the apps but yeah i mean they've certainly done things where they've given people time to do that and i think for certain policies that might make sense i have a feeling what happened in this case was that they were reacting to kind of the the, the fervor as tends to happen. You, know, yeah. you take an issue that's been dormant for a really long time, like the Confederate flag, where we haven't had kind of a, a sustained call to action to get rid of it as a country, as a society in a really long time. Like I said, you know, the Georgia flag, the, the referendum on that happened like a decade ago, like, like only yeah. like 12 years ago, like not that long ago. Um, and you have Amazon, Etsy, Walmart, Sears, Everybody yeah. pulling the stuff. And I think they realize, oh, you know, we've got to go in and go fast. And as Bree mm-hmm. said, there's fallout and they would just rather deal with people on a case by case basis, apps that um, aren't violations. After and, the fact, and, and, and rather than after the fact, the form, rather yeah. than trying to, to do something else, because at this point, it just kind of becomes a PR situation for them as much as anything else. Yeah. Hmm. Goodness. It's inter- as I was researching this topic, I just Googled censorship by Apple to get 
examples of previous <laughs> and you know, you things like There is a literal Wikipedia article, censorship oh, yeah. by Apple Wikipedia article. And I was like, well, that's easy. <laughs> oh, yeah. No, I mean, there have been so many cases of that. And, and you know, uh, for porn out, I mean, very yeah. early on, one of the big things was that Steve Jobs was like, this is not a place for pornography. Uh, and, you know, so that kind of, you know, puts like... Do you remember like, those emails that got leaked, Christina, with the journalist? Yes. <laughs> having a talk with Steve Jobs about, well, me and my wife love pornography. Oh, <laughs> well, maybe when you have kids, you'll feel differently. It's like, oh, God. Wait, no, it was so pure. Wait, what? Oh, it was great. It was great. Somebody was sending Steve Jobs emails like, well, my wife and I, we love pornography. And, and why are you not allowing this stuff in there? Steve Jobs is like, well... Maybe when you have kids, you'll feel differently because I know as a fa- you know like as a father, and it's so funny because you imagine that Steve Jobs like in the seventies and, and eighties. Steve Jobs before he got married probably was like you know big pimpin', right? Like you yeah. know he was like scream. I mean he 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 dated um, Joan Baez mostly, mostly because she'd form she'd slept with, she'd dated and slept with Bob Dylan, and he like wanted to be with someone who'd slept with Bob Dylan because then I guess he felt like through osmosis like I've I've now you know. Um, wow. had sex with Bob Dylan too. Um, and, and like, I mean, that was his like main criteria for dating her. It wasn't like her as a person like, Oh, you used to get it on with one of my heroes. So now this is going to happen. So yeah, I mean, you know, he obviously changed a lot once he got married. Um, but Apple, you know, as a brand has always been fairly puritanical I mean, and, and mm-hmm. that's okay. I mean, there, there are times when that's problematic and you roll your eyes, but I mean, they've, they're very much, you know, trying to be kind of above board about things. You know, mm-hmm. they're they're yeah. very kind of the, the pristine, shiny, like, oh, don't get too controversial, you know, yeah. brand. Well, can I say something about that? Um, I mean, look, if I ran the Apple App Store, it would it would be really porny. Okay, <laughs> like, <laughs> like if I were running that, it would be like free speech zone. You know, totally. like lots of sex. There'd be so much fanfic. I, I want to say, as someone like who thinks a lot about markets and your market segmentation, I think that I I am personally comfortable with the sacrifice. I have to make with the content um, selling my product in the app store. Let me give you an example. There's a scene in Rev 60 where Holiday gets a really bad injury and she, a couple of things happen and she goes and like injects something into her body to heal her. Mm-hmm. And I was terrified about that scene, terrified about that scene because Holiday says like, they're benzodiazepines and, you know, like she's injecting a needle into her body. Oh, and I was afraid yeah. that it was going to flaunt Apple's rules about drug use. If they had said that's not okay, we would have redone the line because I understand the grander mission of the App Store is to make the general public feel safe that when they buy something, it's going to be above board. Mm-hmm. And by making those sacrifices, by by saying you can't be here, it creates a marketplace with a lot more activity where consumers feel free to spend money, where they, you know, parents feel safe, like letting their kids spend money. It's it's a pragmatic sacrifice that they make. Mm-hmm. It's not something I personally support, but I understand it. And in that sense, I think it's worth emphasizing how meaningful it is that it is Apple getting rid of the Confederate flag, because I feel like this could be something where they 
they just let it go because it's not their content, it's other people's content. But the fact that they are taking such a stand on it and that it is such a very fraught topical issue is very meaningful. And yeah, it is the safe choice almost to say let's get rid of the the confederate flag because it's uh, crappy and horrible uh, but you don't, know, you don't think that's safe. a safe choice yeah no i, I actually think that it's pretty risky i, I think that they, really I, I, honestly I, honestly in this case i think it is the safe choice i think would be to stay out of it completely Yep. I think the okay, safe choice would be, to, yeah. would be to keep their mouth shut, which is what Google's doing for the most part. I think yeah. the safe choice would be to be like, we're not getting involved. This is a different issue, and, and our, our platform can be used by different people for different reasons. I think that it's actually pretty risky, and, and I applaud them for, for, for actually removing apps. Um, where I criticize them is maybe going full yeah. hog and getting rid of like, <laughs> you know, like strategy games. Like, yeah. come on. All right, let, I can rephrase. Safe choice is definitely doing nothing. Between the either... Oh, I guess I guess leaving it would be doing nothing. Hmm. I will not rephrase. I retract my <laughs> rephrasing. <laughs> um, I I think in popularity, I guess, and I might be wrong about this because I have not spent a great extent of time. In I the think South, if you had spent you know. time in the South, like Christina and I had, you would have a different opinion on the Simone. That I is do. fair. I do. I do. I'm just thinking oh. of the kind of safe liberal opinions, and as far as safe liberal opinions go wanting to get rid of the confederate flag is seems to me like the most like well, well done well that's because you're 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 a nice girl from the pacific northwest Aww, right, um, right. But, but but if you are like many many people who grew up in the south mm-hmm. where as we said i mean like you know people would come to school wearing that sort of stuff yeah. you, could, you could get away with coming to school with it you know yeah. there, there are plenty of of school mascots still to this day who they're the rebels mm-hmm. and you know they might not have the rebel flag as their um you know mascot anymore but i guarantee you they didn't that long ago the mm-hmm. number of states that still have aspects of the confederate flag you know in their state flag it's astounding and it's in it's it's systemic and it's endemic and um, it's a lot bigger than i think a lot of people realize and you Mm -hmm. see it all the time to the point that i think i've had this conversation with some people from the south where like our friend josh centers who works at um tidbits and he's um from tennessee he was like you know i i don't see the 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 flag that often and i i i almost i almost wonder if he's just become immune to it Mm -hmm. yeah because you know, even when I go home, and, and, and I'm from Atlanta, which is a lot more metropolitan and and, and certainly in, in a lot of aspects, you know, a lot less, um, I get, you know, it, it's become uh, much more, uh, I guess, whatever the southern more gentrified is, you know, then it, you see less of that um, in, in Atlanta than you do some places. And yeah, you still see that stuff all the time, especially once you go to the suburbs or the exurbs. So mm-hmm. I think you'd be surprised. I think, like, the other thing is there's a lot of emotion that is tied up in this. And, you know, I see this with Gamergate. The reason Gamergate got to be such a huge conflagration is because gamers felt like their identity was under attack. The reason the Confederate flag is such a huge issue is Southerners feel like their identity is under Mm -hmm. attack. They don't feel like it's a racist symbol. So, you know, this is a very risky move for Apple. Um, I remember when Jackson, Mississippi got an Apple store, which was a very big deal at the time, um, you know, and people being really super excited to go down there and you know, get what they felt was a taste of, you know, the big city. Mm-hmm. You know, this is something that could really turn normal people against Apple's brand. Um, so, you know, I, I wow. think it's complicated. I, I have to admit, like seeing, 
you know, seeing this much reaction so fast, like I was like, wow, South Carolina is going to take down the flag. What? Alabama is going to take down the flag? What? Walmart said they're going to stop selling it? What? The App Store? When Walmart said that, I was like, holy crap. It is really incredible. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, genuinely, like, I mean, Walmart was founded in, in Arkansas. Like... Right, it's, it's about as redneck as you can get as an institution. <laughs> yeah. So when Walmart, I mean, seriously, but when Walmart is like, we're going to get rid of the flag, I'm like, holy yeah. crap. Wow. And, you know, I feel like it's not my point to say, is this good or is this bad? Like, I, I privately have an opinion about the rapidity of this. But it's also like, it doesn't affect me as a white person, you know? So I kind of mm-hmm. feel like it's, I kind of feel like it's like, you know, I understand why it's offensive. I really understand people that want to take it down. And I kind of just feel like it's 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 not my place. Do you know what I mean? To have a really strong mm-hmm. opinion about it. So I don't know. It's I've learned so much, I think, just about Southern history and Civil War history just in the past week. It's really incredible, I think, what the the movement to take down the flag has brought out in people and one of the things that i learned from the nightly show actually was that in south carolina the flag what the rebel flag wasn't flying over the state house until 1961 which was around exactly civil rights Uh, time well well that's the whole thing this is this is my whole argument when people try to claim that it's a historic thing and i go no actually the same thing with the the georgia state flag is is that it didn't get the cross added to it until integration started and um, the civil rights movement took off. And it was very much a race yeah. based thing. It was very much a response to the civil rights movement, which is my problem with the flag. Yeah. If, if, if it were truly based in historical, you know, like it, it was, it was, it was based, truly based in, in, in historical act, you know, remembrance yeah. or whatever, I, it would still be problematic, but you could understand it more. But in almost all cases, uh, the, 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 basically the, the reason that it's there is has been in the last 50 years and it was a direct response to the civil rights movement and the South's absolute inability to deal with the fact that they were forced to finally integrate and, and treat all people like people. Mm-hmm. Those are strong words to end on. I think one thing I will just say real quick, um, if anybody wants a great read on the civil war, you can get it on audible um, or, or read it. I think it's on Kindle, but it's uh, the civil war narrative by uh, Shelby foot. Oh. Uh, which is a fantastic series of books about the Civil War. It's amazing. That's I've, I've heard about that, but I've never I've never read it. It's, it's so. like three volumes. It's great. He was basically um, the the main, one of the main people involved in Ken Burns's um, um, Civil War um, documentary, the Civil War documentary. Oh. He was he was interviewed heavily for that, and um, his book um, or his his you know series or whatever. It's one of the most comprehensive. I mean, it's such a fascinating war on lots and lots of levels. I mean, you know, because in there in some circumstances there really were brothers versus brothers, and there were lots of issues uh, related to it. Uh, above and beyond just just slavery obviously but uh shelby foot um it's spelled f-o-o-t-e um the civil war um is great and also ken burns's documentary series you know for pbs uh, miniseries the civil war mm-hmm. is really really good so yeah. that's that, that that that's my uh if you want to know more dun 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 thank you fantastic fantastic <laughs> This week's episode of Rocket is brought to you by PDF Pen Pro 7 from Smile. Uh, PDF Pen Pro is the advanced version of PDF Pen. It does everything that that does, which is, you know, adding signatures, editing text and images, and performing optical character recognition on the documents that you scan, probably with your other Smile apps. Um, But PDF Pen Pro can create an interactive PDF form, which 
if you've ever interacted with a PDF before, interactive PDF form is like the most pornographic statement. We, I probably shouldn't say this about in, in our ad <laughs> read, but like, oh my God, being able to like actually use a PDF in a meaningful way is a big deal because PDFs are awful. PDF Print Pro 7 adds easy <laughs> editing of OCR text with scanned documents and you can export in Excel and PowerPoint and PDF archive formats. And you can get those documents everywhere because they everywhere. sync. Yeah. <laughs> everywhere I, w- I was doing my vocal exercises before this because i was recording the news so you know th- i'm hitting those high notes today you guys you can sync it with i uh with via icloud uh so you can get it on your ipad get it on your iphone get it everywhere <laughs> that was not the note that i wanted but you know no, i was it gonna was say you're a little good. flat there but very it was still okay very good you, t- you, you take what you can get with me honestly <laughs> so can i tell you guys a quick yeah, story please do um I have to tell you, I met so many people on this team at the uh, Relay FM, uh, you know, Macworld party this year. And, you know, Smile Software, uh, you know, they're not just, you know, they don't just sponsor us. Like, they also, you know, Jean McDonald of App Camp for Girls, like, she also came from Smile Software. And, like, I met so many people there. And these are these are just fantastic people. And, like, I was talking to them about this program, and you can just hear the passion that they put into it. And I just, like, you really, this is a mm-hmm. good company that you should feel very good about supporting. I, yeah. I, I just, I think it's great. They put a lot of effort into making the things that we use every day easier and less painful to use. Yeah. And I think that that is very cool of them. So uh, you can try PDF Pen Pro 7 for yourself today, downloading it, the free demo at smilesoftware.com slash rocket. And so thank you so much uh, for supporting this podcast. And we really appreciate it. Thank yeah. you, Smile. They also finally gave me my mug, which I was They finally about. gave you your mug. I did. I talked to them at that party. I was like, come on, where's, where's my mug? Where's my mug? What's yeah, my up mug with is that? on my my mug is on my desk at work yeah. and I love it. So I love this week that we finally get to talk about Taylor Swift and Apple, and it's not a tangent. It's like amazing. It's, it's I know. awesome. It is amazing. Yeah. It's like a real thing. Like our our, right. our girl has made real news. Mm-hmm. So Christina, you were the one who first brought this to my attention. Do you want to recount the dramatic story of Taylor Swift <laughs> versus Apple? Or yes, I will. I will. So all right. it's. They've, they've had a love story back and forth. I mean, it's basically like all of Taylor's relationships. It's been fraught with drama. Um, but there is a happy ending. No, it's true. You know, I mean, honestly, like, I, I've been toying with the idea, if I have enough time this weekend, of, of um, taking one of Taylor's songs and rewriting the lyrics to make, to, to fit with the soul saga. Mm-hmm. So it all starts last Friday, where news was leaked, now it appears, uh, from Big Machine, her record label, that 1989, her latest album, would not be on Apple Music. At the time, a lot of people, including myself, were kind of like, well, um, you know, and, and the, the, the idea was that basically, you know, she just didn't want to have her latest album on the streaming service. Mm-hmm. And, it's not, and in fairness, it's not available on any of the streaming platforms. Yeah. And, and so I figured, well, it's probably a windowing thing. You know, she didn't let Red on Spotify until more than a year after it was out. And, and it's, it's probably one of those things. Um, but then Taylor wrote a missive. To Apple, love Taylor, Mm -hmm. on her Tumblr on Sunday, basically saying, hey, Apple, the fact that the three-month free trial for um, Beats, for for Apple Music, uh, it's great that you're giving people free trial, uh, but you're not going to be paying artists during that free trial, and that's not cool. Mm -hmm. And 
I'm, I'm not, you know, these are not the words of a petulant child. I have more than enough money to pay my crew and, and my people and whatnot, but there are tons of indie artists out there and songwriters who um, rely on, on money that they get from streaming. And for three months for them to go without money is not cool. And yeah. I respect you as a company. You do so many innovative things, blah, 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 love fest. Change this. This is messed up. It took 17 hours <laughs> from, from her post to Eddie Q posting on Twitter. Uh, we hear you, um, Taylor. We will be paying artists and music. We, we, we love artists. We will be paying them. Um, we love you. Love Apple. So basically, in 17 hours, she was able to get a company that a week earlier had told, you know, one of Apple executives had told Peter Kafka of uh, Recode that the reason they weren't going to be paying during the trial period was that, I guess, typically that's, that, that's not something that most um, places do. And they said, well, well, to make up for that, we're going to be giving a higher percentage of streaming profits to artists anyway. And, and we think that'll make up for it, and we'll be able to convert a lot more people, mm-hmm. and we think it's fair. And some independent music labels had actually been very vocal and said, hey, uh, we're going to hold our stuff back from Apple Music during the p- trial period because mm-hmm. – this isn't cool, including Adele's, um, um, Adele's label, um, Matador Records, um, who's you know from uh, uh, near where you are, Simone. Yeah. And um, they didn't get anywhere. Taylor Swift, in 17 hours, not only did Eddie Q like, tweet on Twitter, but he, like, call, he apparently got on the horn with Tim Cook. They decided, well, we do not want to piss off Taylor Swift. They call her in Amsterdam, talk to her personally, are like... <laughs> Look, girl, we are so sorry. We are so, so sorry. Will you please call off the Swifties because this is bad. And so, I mean, basically, you know, it, as I was joking, not really joking mm-hmm. on on, uh, on Sunday, you know, it was proof that she's the most powerful media figure in the world because she was able uh, to get yeah. the world's most powerful company to basically capitulate um, in 17 hours. I mean, they did mm-hmm. the right thing. You know, I mean, honestly, they did the right thing. Um, but... Then it gets better because today, as we're recording this, <laughs> she announces that she will actually be bringing 1989 to Apple Music. Yep. yep. What? So <laughs> she says that, you know, it's not an exclusive, which basically means if she wanted to bring it to other streaming services, she could. She's not getting paid to do it, but it's the first time she felt right in her gut to um, let the album be available for streaming. And she mm-hmm. said it's because of Apple's. Um, agreements with other indie labels and kind of their response and she's saying they're getting rewarded for this so like somehow apple they mess up by basically being like we're not going to pay artists for for three months during this trial period you know which is kind of a bad pr move then taylor swift puts them on blast and they're like we do not want to have the week before our launch only answering questions about why is taylor swift mad at you because can you even imagine literally every yeah, question that no. they'd be they'd be fielding the week leading up to their launch would be why are you fighting with Taylor Swift? And what ni- is going on? 1989 is now the dog cookie that Apple is getting. And now, and now, because they did the right thing, because they capitulated and they were like, yeah, we have more money than God. We might as well just like, pay people anyway. We might as well just write this off as a marketing expense. It's fine. We'll, we'll make it up in like three hours anyway. Like they're getting rewarded. Yeah. Because they're going to be the only place where you can stream 1989 for free. Where do you think... So this, do you think that they had any idea, really, that this would be such a big deal with the, the three months not paying people yeah. for that? Yeah. It seems like it was I just a that, huge foresight. Uh, lack uh, of foresight, rather. I think they thought that they could get away with it because mm-hmm. they always get away with Apple. Yeah. yeah. I, I think that they thought that they could just get away with it. Yeah. Neelay Patel wrote a really interesting piece on The Verge about how 
ultimately, this is kind of just keeping the status quo, but this quote yeah, stood is. out to me so much. Uh, if Apple had played it correctly, Swift would have launched Apple Music at WWDC with a live performance. Instead, Eddie Q was doing damage control at midnight on a Sunday. And I was just like, oh, the burn. I can feel it from here. It's, well, it, yeah, I mean, that, and that's kind of true, I, I suppose, um, mm-hmm. although, I mean, and I'm sure that they probably did ask her if she would be there and she's probably like, mm-hmm. I'm kind of on a world tour. Yeah. She's Pay a little me. busy. You know, she's a little busy and she's the sort of person, you know, Drake can come out and I'm sure they paid Drake. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I make no qualms about that, but I think that she's somebody who, you know, probably also realized rightly that Apple would have a whole lot more to gain by her being there than she mm-hmm. would have to gain by being there herself. Yeah. Exactly. Like she's, she, like she would, she would gain nothing by being WWDC. She is, I think, the smartest businesswoman in America when it comes to managing her image and totally. her brand. She, she, she's a Madonna. She's, she's as good as Madonna was at her height. You know, mm-hmm. Madonna has has faltered in the last few years. Although I still love Madonna, and I think historically Madonna is like probably like one of the smartest businesswomen, like period, and, and certainly one of the smartest media figures ever. And she's even though um, her approach to her brand is very different than Madonna's because their brands are very different. Mm-hmm. She's very much taken the same thing that Madonna did of controlling her career and controlling the conversation around her and, and always being able to exactly know like the right tenor and, and places to do it. Taylor is, is perfected it. Even mm-hmm. her letter to Apple struck the perfect notes. And what was yeah. so interesting about it was that, you know, title when title launched, and we've talked about this on the show, you know, their problem was they said, you know, artists deserve to be paid, which I think is a sentiment we all agree with. The problem was title said this uh, while putting very rich artists on stage and uh. then telling users, we deserve to be paid. And the way we're going to get paid is that you will give us more money and mm-hmm. putting the rich people out there making that making that argument. And even though title told me and, and they've since come out and said no, we wanted these people to speak up because the little guys don't have a, a venue. It didn't come across that way. Yeah. Whereas Taylor Swift was able to make that point the title wanted to make very explicitly and very clearly where she was saying, this is not about me. Mm-hmm. This is about other people. And that's something that the title artists never said. They never said, this isn't about me. They made it seem like yeah. it was about them. And she did it in a very personal way on her Tumblr, yes. which I think was a really good touch. It makes it like it's just a simple blog post and suddenly it's on fire. Yeah. No, I mean, that's the thing. It, she's got such a huge social media following. You know, she's mm-hmm. 60 million Twitter followers. I don't even know how many Tumblr followers, you know, millions of followers on Instagram. She's got such a humongous platform that no mm-hmm. other artist has, frankly. Um, that it became immediately, it was a Sunday and it was kind of a slow news day and it was literally the number one story everywhere. Yeah. And that's, I think, why Eddie Q and Tim Cook had to get on the phone and go, yeah. we've got to shut this down. Mm-hmm. They did good. They did the right thing. They did the right thing. And, and I'm glad that they also, since, you know, talked and agreed with the independent labels and, and the labels, those, those yeah. labels said, we're good with Apple now. And that's, that's around. showing that they... Well, and that's showing that that it's it has it wasn't just lip service, and it wasn't just saying okay, mm-hmm. we'll we'll make changes for Taylor Swift, but that they're trying to you know talk the talk. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a shame that it took this happening for that to happen. Yeah, but at least this conversation has happened. So I think there's I think there's a wider conversation here to be had, um, and, and to me, the conversation at the heart of it is, I mean. Does Apple at their core, do you think that they are, yeah, I'm sorry. Do you think they are fundamentally trying to do better 
with musicians. Because, like, what I've seen, like, Christina, you and I met on app.net. Uh, Dalton, the CEO of app.net, yeah. was formerly of Spotify. And he would often talk about the unsustainability of Spotify's, um, you know, business model, how, you know, artists just could not get paid with that. Um, you know, what I noticed, uh, seeing the keynote this year for WWDC was Apple talking about, um, you know, like making a platform where artists would, could continue to bring their careers there. Um, what I've heard is that the, the rates do seem to be higher for they artists are. They're, than they're Spotify. Paying, they're paying 71.5% of their revenues um, to artists versus 70%, which is the norm. How that ends up breaking down per track compared to Spotify, I don't know. Spotify's yeah. big mm-hmm. problem is that they have a free tier and then they have a paid tier. And right. artists get paid more for the paid tier and less for the free tier. Hmm. Uh, the problem is is that Spotify obviously has about five times as many free users as they do paid users. Right. So when you if, if you're a, a, even a small artist, if you're trying to calculate what you're going to get, it's really difficult to know because it's not like a simple, you know, um, it, it's not a simple algebraic equation because the, the split could be different. You could be someone who might happen to predominantly appeal to the same uh, demographic that pays for Spotify, and in which case you might do better, but you might be somebody who, you know, might predominantly appeal to the free users. Mm-hmm. So by taking the free aspect out of it completely, A, that was Taylor Swift's. That, she claims that was her biggest beef with Spotify. Yeah. Yeah. I personally think what happened with Spotify was they pissed her off. I think what they did is they made a big deal about 1989 not being on Spotify when it was released. They blacked out all the tracks and said, this artist has you know, chosen not to make this, this album available. When really she was withholding it because it was a windowing thing. And then I think she said, hold up, hold up, hold up. You're going to try to shame me into getting my album out when mm. Red wasn't available for the first year. And you make my music available to people who don't pay anything and you devalue my work. Um, you know what? I don't need this. I'm going to pull all my music from your service. Mm-hmm. See ya. Like, right. I personally think that's what she did. Now, she says that it was about having a problem with the free tier and she'd been thinking a lot about it. And that might be true. I think the, the, the straw that broke the camel's back, though, was that they, like, goaded her and tried to mm-hmm. shame her into releasing 1989 on Spotify. And she was like, not only am I not going to do that, I'm going to take all of my songs and see ya. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I, you know, I mean, I, I think we can't know what went on behind oh, no. closed doors. But that, that, that's I, all I, Christina is just Sure, conjecture. sure, sure. No, it, it seems very plausible. She does seem like a very smart businesswoman. Mm-hmm. But I guess, I guess my point is, I, I realize it's tempting to, to kind of position the story as, you know, Apple versus Taylor Swift standing up for, for all artists. And there's certainly some of that there. Um, my interpretation of this is, you know, I've worked for some, some large organizations. You know, I've seen how laws get made in Congress, for instance. Uh, you know, I've, I've seen what happens when you get lawyers involved in business deals and it's messy and you get accountants involved and like people come up with convoluted schemes. And you know, my kind of like like you're having your Taylor Swift story, like my 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 perception or how I imagine the story coming together is like 
you know, you've got Eddie Q, who's very famous for getting in there and being the man to come negotiate with you know, music interests and movie interests mm-hmm. and kind of massaging it and and getting people to the table, right? Mm-hmm. Like, he's the person that got Apple TV to have all this content on it, as well as, like, getting so many artists to you know, get on iTunes in the first place. And I imagine that this whole thing came together with lawyers and accountants, like, sitting there and negotiating things and just coming up with BS and coming with a really convoluted structure. And I think like Taylor Swift came in as a very powerful voice for simpler, fairer model for everyone. Yeah, I think Apple, because like their their core belief there, I I think that they want to make money, but I I do sense Apple wanting to be genuine and pay people. Like yeah. they certainly mm-hmm. want to pay you know, developers on the app store. Definitely. No, I I would agree with that. No, I mean, I agree with that. And they have a history, you know, of kind of a mixed, a good and a bad relationship with the music industry. I mean, let's make no mistake. One of the main reasons Taylor Swift was so deferential to Apple in her open letter, and she was very deferential. She, She made great points, but she was very deferential, is because they are a great partner of hers. Mm-hmm. Look, she has sold 8 million copies of 1989. I would guarantee you that probably 80% of those are from iTunes. Yep. Mm-hmm. Maybe more than that. I mean, you know, she had some exclusives through Target, but the vast majority of those sales have come from iTunes. Most of her record sales since she's been a musician have come from iTunes. So make no mistake, like, it's it's she was the only one, I think, who could stand up. The reason that a lot of other artists, I think, have been afraid to have the conversation is no matter how much we might believe that Apple wants you know, to, to pay people. Um, the problem with the Apple Music thing that a lot of artists have had, and I've heard some 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 artists have, um, and labels have revealed this to me, you know, privately even leading up to this stuff, is that um, they are still, even though, um, you know, their sales are declining um, and, and they're losing to streaming, they're still the number one music retailer. Mm-hmm. And what that means is if you're an artist, think about it. You want to piss off somebody who is your number one retailer. It would yeah. be like, you know, in the old days, like it'd be like, you know, if Walmart is your number one distributor, do you want to speak out against them? Because the, the thought is, will they take retribution against me and not feature me the way that they used to? Will mm-hmm. they not, you know, feature me in the store? Will they not give me kind of the placement? And what does that do for my availability elsewhere? Um, and, and some artists have, have, you know, expressed concern about if I don't allow my stuff in Apple Music, will I still be able to sell my stuff in the iTunes store? And um, that's complicated. And so she, I think, truly was the only person who could stand up and say, mm-hmm. I'm a big enough star. I'm a big enough musician that they cannot screw yeah. with me. There was yeah. no they, risk they for can't, her. She, she's, she's the only one who, who, maybe on the planet, who was in the unique position of, of even though they are her number one you know, sales channel for, for songs, she's such a big deal and she's such a driver that they couldn't, you know, um, you know they, they couldn't, Sabotage, uh, for lack of exactly a better word. The, right. They, they couldn't play hardball and be like, well, we're just going to bury your mm-hmm. next release because she's Taylor freaking Swift. Is that something that you think New Apple would have done? Or is that – would it just be posturing? Yeah. Um, I don't know. You know. Do I think the New Apple would have like yeah. had retribution against that? I don't know about that. I mean, but I do no. think that they play hardball. I mean, you know, yeah. you do what you do. You're trying to make a service a success – I don't think that it would be in their best interest to piss off artists mm-hmm. that way, but it's, 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 it's you, you never know. It's almost you know, like they I'm don't just, have to worry about following through because they have the upper hand anyway. Right. And I think yeah. that by her standing up and, and 
basically being the the catalyst behind this, she can take the criticism. And, and there was criticism, ironically, mm-hmm. from the app community. The developer community was all criticizing her in the wake of her post, saying, "Oh, well, you know, app developers, we don't get you know paid for our free trial, you know, for our you know free you know um, app of the week stuff." Oh, and, and please, and, 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 and I'm going, and I'm, uh, that, thank you, thank you, thank you. I'm going. Actually, that's a real marketing cost, and 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 you know that when you sign up, <sighs> this is different. But there yeah. were so much, so many like app developers. I saw so many iOS app developers trying to tell Taylor Swift how to run her business, <laughs> and I'm thinking, okay, she can buy and sell all of you. She's younger <laughs> than you. She's better than you. Like really, you're going to try to school like one of the best businesswomen in the world about like how to make money. Are you serious? But that aside, um, and, and the patriarchy that was also around some of that aside, mm-hmm. um, you know, I think that she rightly probably was in a position where she didn't have to fear retribution. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I saw one interesting piece that kind of resonated with me on that. Um, that sort of it was about uh royalties and rights to things and that was from a freelance photographer who was discussing yeah, yeah did you see that piece as well yes and and and, and she responded to that and that was it, it's it's the same and it's different you know the, yeah, so a it, freelance photographer was trying to conflate the fact that there's a standard photography agreement with concert photography where, you know, basically how it works is that if you get access to take photos of a concert, um, you go on behalf of a publication. And if that publication opts not to run your photos, then typically your SOL of the photos don't run. And the mm-hmm. reason for that is that um, musicians don't want iStock photo and other places to be flooded yeah. with photos of themselves. Like that's what Getty's for. That's what like professional wire photo services are for. But that's not what like um, royalty free places are for. Mm-hmm. Like that's that, that that that's not the venue for that. And also, if you recall, you remember those Beyonce photos where she looked like yes. really upset. Like there, more and more artists are becoming very controlling about their images and which ones are okay and which aren't. And so if you do get access to take um, concert photography, and, and to be clear, yes, you are paying and you're absolutely working, but it's not like you're buying a concert ticket. Mm-hmm. You're, you know, you're, you're getting into the concert for free and, and then you're usually doing it at a contract with, you know, a, a newspaper or a magazine or whatever. Um, and then the, 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 the boilerplate contract says that um, the... Uh, artists usually can have access to your photos and use them however they want to use them in the future, not for profit, but for publicity or marketing or whatever. And that usually mm-hmm. is just for social media. It's basically meaning they want to be able to tweet it. They want to be able to, you know, put it someplace. Yeah. So they're not going to use it in, in, in like um, money-making ways. You know, they're not going to put it on their posters or anything, but they can have access to some of it. And um, basically the idea is that if, if, if you're not able to sell the photo because something happens a bigger news breaks and you can't, you yeah. know, the story doesn't run. They run someone else's kind photo, of, whatever. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Or then, then, then you're out of luck and that sucks. And it's certainly, you know, there is a spec work component there and that's crappy, but I don't think it's the same thing it is, as. Yeah. Just be, especially at, in terms of Taylor managing her image, like the photos are of her. And I feel like that's yeah. important to point out. Yeah, I mean, yeah. And, and her and her representatives even said, look, mm-hmm. you know, we if you want to do something with the image afterwards, if you weren't able to do something with it, you can contact us and get, 
you know, permission from us to, to then either sell it someplace else or use it in another context. Mm-hmm. What I think they're really trying to do is prevent people from putting them on, you know, iStock and Corbis. Yeah. And, and some, and honestly, because yeah. otherwise you would probably see a ton of, of, of stock, you know, royalty-free images of Taylor Swift or of other artists everywhere. Um, and, and it is true that increasingly bigger music acts have these kind of, you know, boilerplate contracts that do kind of limit what photographers can do. And that sucks. And I'm not saying that's okay. Um, but I don't think that just because um, some of the photography, concert photography situation is unfair means that she's a hypocrite because she's wanting artists to get paid during a trial period. I just don't yeah. think the two situations are comparable. Yeah, you know, I just uh, – this really ties in, – and we need to move on after yeah. this. Yeah. But this, <laughs> this really ties into my same feelings with the App Store thing, like with the, the Confederate flag. I mean – the way power structures work in this world is you know, humans have been like getting together in groups and like going and fighting over resources since we were living in caves. And it's like, it's like people amass power and then they do things with that power. Like there's no justice about it. Like it doesn't have to be completely <laughs> coherent. And here Taylor Swift is a very powerful businesswoman. Yeah, this play by her is smart for a lot of reasons. It gives her cred, like no one in their right mind is going to argue against artists being paid. It helps project her image as someone this powerful that gets results. Um, you know, she did it in a very friendly way with Apple. And like Taylor Swift made a business move that I think was born out of passion, but it was a business move. Mm-hmm. And, you know, like, it's just that simple. In the same way, Apple is looking out for their app store with the Confederate flag, and they made a business move because they're Apple. And, you know, it's like looking for perfection out of these systems, looking for absolute justice, looking for it to you know, be done, you know, according to some sense of justice you may yeah. have. It's just not the way the world works. Like this stuff is messy. Change is messy. Political power is messy. And business is messy. And, yep. you know, it's just the process of getting stuff done. And the resources that we hoard are Taylor Swift photographs. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> that is That's the key true. to power. All right. That is it. That is it. Yeah. This episode of Rocket is also sponsored by App Camp for Girls. Speaking Yay! of gaining education and power and resources, oh my God, App Camp for Girls is so cool. So basically, so cool. yeah, I mean, Brianna, I'm sure you're going to have a ton of feelings about this. Christine, I'm sure you also have a ton of feelings. App Camp for Girls encourages girls to pursue app development as a career. And it teaches them how to make iPhone, ca- iPhone apps in a summer camp program under the mentorship of women developers, which is so so important having role models in any industry is important and especially having role models in stem fields so now they're bringing app camp to more locations the girls at these camps learn how to design they learn how to code they learn how to pitch their apps which is another hugely important skill Um, it helps them build confidence it helps them get to know people that are working in the industry that can help them that can be connections that can be mentors Um, and it is getting bigger every year so that this is something that's really near and dear to our hearts as women working in tech fields. Um, and they really need the support of basically everyone. They need donations to buy equipment, to recruit and train volunteers, and to build the curriculum that they have. So please do um, 
Check them out at ac4g.net slash relay4, again, the number four app camp. Uh, And we're definitely going to put that link in the show notes. So don't worry about remembering everything I just said. Uh, Check that out. And they also have an Indiegogo campaign to help them get the funding that they need. But do you guys want to talk about why this is freaking awesome? Well, I'll just I I'll just say a word or two because yeah. we need to we need to get the show going. But um, you know, Jane McDonald was talking on Facebook the other day how they they have their goals, their insight, but they really do need people to step up mm-hmm. and to you know support them. Yeah, and there's a week to go. So by the time you hear this podcast. We really, yeah. if you believe in the causes that you know, Christina, me, and Simone have talked about on the show repeatedly, I would personally appreciate if you stepped up and helped them out. Yes. App Camp for Girls does very, very, very good work. I'm going to tell you a true story about WWDC this year. Um, I left one party. I left the App Camp for Girls fundraiser, which is always an awesome networking event. And I had my choice to like go to a party with a bunch of powerful corporate types or go just hang out at a bar with the, with the, with the women that make App Camp for Girls go. And I blew off my, my powerful corporate party to hang out with these women because they are really awesome. They are really passionate and, they're they're just fun. It's just fun mm-hmm. to hang out with them, and they're they're doing great work. These are people that you want, you know, basically inspiring the next generation mm-hmm. of women programmers. And you know, presumably, if you're listening to Rocket, it's because you get it. And you know, this stuff doesn't happen serendipitously. Mm-hmm. You know, and maybe you can't go stand up to Gamergate. Maybe you can't go, you know, speak up to the stuff the way you know, Christina does with Tim Cook. Maybe you can't do it the way that, you know, Simone does. But, you know, if you have a few dollars to help them out, I would personally appreciate that. This is the kind of thing that will change the face of programming in the future. It'll change young girls' lives. You know, we know what it was like growing up, you know, liking tech, liking games or liking computers or liking code and knowing that it's hard to find other girls like that. You know, the the age Mm -hmm. that they go after, kind of the middle school age, is this crucial age for girls to get involved. Mm -hmm. And I, I would have loved... A, a camp like this when I was, you know, if, uh, 20 years ago. I would have oh, loved God. this. It you could know, have changed it, my world. Yeah. yeah. Completely. And and so I think it's so important what they do. I love the fact that at the end of the week, the girls have an app finished. You know, they have like a finished product. You know, they, they, they're going through the whole process. You know, they're making apps. They're learning about code. They're learning about design. They're learning about creativity. And it's it's such a great program. Um, they're, they're wanting to expand, you know, their Indiegogo campaign. They've got a week left. Please donate, um, give anything you can because it's such an important cause, and it's the sort of thing that yeah, like like Brie and Simone said, this is going to change um, kind of the face of the next generation of computing, mm-hmm. and this is these sorts of programs are so important. And the reason I got to speak to Tim Cook was because you know of, of Apple's efforts in diversity and programs like App Camp for Girls are such a huge part of that. I think because they're going right after girls and they're teaching women other women are teaching girls that they can do this too and that's so important and um it warms my heart it's the sort of thing you know i i want to be like a, a counselor you know what i mean like it's the sort of thing where like i look at what gene is doing with this program and i go wow like part mm-hmm. of me wants to quit my job and like do something like what she's doing you yeah. know what i mean and like be, be be dedicated to helping kind of the next generation come up it's it's so yeah. important yeah 
All right. Thank you so much. Or well, we're getting that message out there. They're not like giving us anything for this. We just really nope. love yeah. to support no, the no, message. No, 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 no. We're doing this because yep. we love them. So cool. Uh, Chris, do we want to talk about the Seinfeld apartment or is that? Let's do it super quickly. Super, super quick. quick. Christina super quickly. is changing yeah. the world too. She changed Hulu's Seinfeld reenactment <laughs> apartment. I did. What the heck even is this? Yeah. So, so Seinfeld is now on Hulu. Woohoo. Yay. Uh, yada, yada, yada. Uh, so the short story uh, you know long story short um so hulu uh created a replica of the seinfeld season eight apartment in new york city this week so it's it's open until sunday in new york city um at milk studios on uh, west 14th street and um it's a pretty good replica it, like they they get you know the the fridge uh, ornaments correct and, and they've got like the, the the chair and they've got like the, the vhs collection and the stereo and I'm going through the door on Tuesday because they had a press preview, and I'm very excited to go over and see what Mac they had. Because <gasps> I was sure that they'd have the wrong Mac, but I knew they'd have a Mac. I was like, of course they'll have a Mac. They won't have the right Mac for, for this season, but they'll have a Mac. <sighs> what am I greeted with? But a compact freaking Presario. Oh. oh. Yeah. Did you just yeah, walk and so, out? Did you just turn around, spin on your I heel? I was paralyzed. I was periscoping and I was like, <gasps> I cannot believe this. And and I, I was shocked. I was like, how did you get this wrong? And so I immediately come back to the office and I'm like, you guys, this story is going to go viral. I'm going to make <gasps> this go viral. They, 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 how, 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 Jerry Seinfeld is one of the best known Mac users in the world. Like he and Carrie Bradshaw were like the two Mac users in the 90s. No one used a Mac <laughs> on TV back then. Like today, everybody has a Mac. Like, but, but think back, children of, 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 of the, you know, Simone, think, think, think back to a, to a simpler time uh, when the Mac was not cool and it was overpriced still and it was not cool and literally no one had one. But Jerry Seinfeld did. Wow. And so Hulu first tried to tell me online on Twitter, Hulu was like, oh, our Seinfeld elegist ensures that he used both PCs <gasps> and Macs. And I'm like, no, look, he had PC software on his desk, granted, but he only had Macs, only. And what the funny thing was, they sent me a GIF that had a Mac in it <gasps> as their response. And I was like, you guys. You guys, no, no, are, 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 what are you even doing? So I write up a blog post basically saying it gets wrong, crucial detail wrong. And uh, lo and behold, yesterday, so, so Wednesday, the first day it was officially open, they still had the PC. Still had a PC there. Today, my friend Allie goes to check out the apartment. And she takes a photo and sends it to me. Guess what? Uh, guess what's sitting in the apartment now, you guys? <laughs> That is awesome. A Mac. You were literally the Taylor Swift of I was putting Macs in. <laughs> yes. So it, honestly, like, it was one of those things. It's like, what are my two favorite things in the world? TV and Apple, right? Yep. And so what are what's the intersection of my two fandoms? Seinfeld. This exact moment. <laughs> Seinfeld and, and Mac, Mac, Mac uh, fanaticism. And so, yep, I was the Taylor Swift of a... Of the Seinfeld apartment replica. And so uh, anybody in New York City who goes to see the apartment, you can thank me for the Mac. Christina, what are you going to do with your life now? I don't know. I've interviewed Tim Cook. I got a Mac in the Seinfeld <laughs> apartment. I think I can retire. Tim Cook should personally thank you for correcting that fatal error of history. I think Jerry Seinfeld should thank me. And, and so should Larry David. Because frankly, I mean, look, look, let's be honest, you guys. Like, that's a pretty big thing to miss. Oh, yeah. That's mm -hmm. huge. That's huge. So I want to know which Mac they put in the apartment. They put a Performa 200, which is basically mm. a Mac SE Classic. Yeah. Which looks, so it looks just like the SE 30, which he had. So that's at least close. I mean, look, 
they still had a PC keyboard and a PC mouse. I'm not going to get overly upset about that. I mean, I am, but I'm not. Um, I mean, look, they, they found a Mac and, and they put it in there and it looks just like the Mac classic. So, uh, which is what the SE30 looked like. So, I mean, they, they, they got close. They tried. So I'm, I'm, I'm proud. I'm proud that there's a Mac there now and not some yeah. freaking compact Rosario. I remember seeing the Tam in a Seinfeld episode yep. and thinking Season it looked nine. like the year 3000 futuristic. <laughs> like, <laughs> Yeah. But you know how much the Tam goes for now? Cause I looked this up. Oh and it's God. Like, how much like, is it? Like it's three, like, a- like, like three grand. Wow. That's not that bad. I would uh, guess it would be more. No, yeah. it is that bad because it wasn't a great machine. It was underpowered for the time. I mean, it had well, a flat yeah. screen, but it was like not a great machine. Um, and and like broken ones still go for like three thousand oh dollars. Like my it's God. it's it's ridiculous. But like, it was like, like twenty five hundred when it came out. Right, it was ten thousand. It was ten thousand, and then they ended right. up cutting the price down to like two grand or twenty five hundred, and refunding everybody who spent ten grand on wow. it. Right, right. Speaking of PR, so, I mean, you would think that it would be so rare that it would be much more than that. I would think like yeah, thirty or forty thousand, especially for collectors. Yeah. Oh, no, no, no. It, it, it's not like the cube or anything. It's not that bad, but uh, but yeah, I mean, it's it's um, because I was looking this up the other day Be- before <laughs> before I realized that um, that because I went into the Seinfeld thing expecting um them to have the wrong Mac, but I expected them to have a Mac, and I was like, oh well, they won't have a twentieth anniversary Macintosh. Uh, I'm looking this up on eBay now. Um, <laughs> yeah, 2800 for it used in good condition. There's one that's an excellent shape for 3200 But anyway, I mean, you know, it, it's, it is what it is. Uh, there, there's one new in box, I think, for, I, I can't, I, it, that I saw the other day. But it's, uh, I, I was looking this up knowing that they would have the wrong Mac from Season 8, which was a, a Performa 6100, a PowerPC 6100. But expecting them to still have a Mac. And then when they didn't, that's when, like, I went, like, <laughs> I went ham, basically. <laughs> you know what, Christina? I am going to get $3,000. I'm going to get you a Tam, and you're going to have to record Rocket on it every week. Yes. Dude, yeah, I if I could get Skype to run on that thing, I would. Oh, oh like, I would you love to it. see roll into the ma- Mashable office with a TAM and just make you that guys, your new permanent app. You guys, if I had a TAM, I would yeah. seriously, I mean, I could run OS 9 on it, but I would seriously find a way to do all of my work on the TAM. That would be awesome. I would. There, there's a guy, he wrote, uh, somebody wrote something for, for Wired, I think it was a number of years ago, who basically like a guy who still like today, like does almost all of his work off of an SE30. <laughs> wow. Holy crap. This story is like the nexus of why I love you, Christina, and why everyone should oh. love you. Everyone should. <laughs> yeah. Christina's the Taylor Swift of uh, you know, of, te- of, of nerdery, yeah, of nerdery. Of I'm Taylor Swift of like yes. of like of like really esoteric nerdery. Being but I mean, honestly, look, nerd. I I knew though that I was like, look, this is something that TV nerds and Mac nerds, where they intersect, will go crazy over. And people at at, at Mashable weren't really convinced when I was like, no, this story is going to be big. They weren't. They didn't quite believe me. And then it was like the number one story on our site for a while. I was like, I told you guys. <laughs> Did you get to put on the little like office crown? I was like, look, my people will come after this. This is something that, that, that my people, and they're like, your people are like, yeah, the, 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 like, overly pedantic nerds. This is something that they will go crazy about. And yeah, sure enough. 
Fantastic. All, All right. right. So let's end the show. Yep. <laughs> I'm tired. Brianna, I'm tired. Do you want to yeah. talk about what you're working on this week or do you just uh, want to this fall week, into bed? I'm going to go to a, a private, <laughs> going to a private workshop at Har- Harvard next week. Ooh, wow. Fancy. So nice. I have to tell you, they sent me this. Yeah, I've got to do it after I finish our show, like answered Harvard's oh. email. So oh. it's like, they're like, so Harvard sends me like these questions. It's like, uh, you know, what do you hope to accomplish in your time at Harvard? What will make this super successful yeah i'm like i don't know not seem like a jerk in front of the secretary of agriculture when i talk to her you know like not seem completely out of my element since Just be you know, chill. i went to the university i want to be chill that's the goal yeah i don't want to mess up basically that's uh that's my that goal is a so i'm gonna figure goal. out a way to say that diplomatically when i All write right. them back fair so, enough christina yeah. what are you working on <laughs> Um, not really that much, honestly. I mean, I've written a lot about Taylor Swift this week. I got Seinfeld to put a Mac in uh, the um, uh, Hulu to put a, um, a Mac in the Seinfeld apartment. I think I'm pretty much done for the week, to be totally honest. But yeah, you've hit peak peak Christina. I think I, peak I've hit Christina. peak Christina. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, I've hit peak C Mac. So yeah, that's basically. And I saw Jaws uh, in the theater. So yeah, I'm basically like I, I don't know. My week is my week is pretty much over, and it's uh, only Thursday. Awesome. That's the perfect point for a week to end, to be honest. Uh, I'm doing the usual working on video stuff and going to Pride this weekend. So that's super exciting. That's that's happening in Seattle this weekend. And yep, that's pretty much it. Cool. Okay. Where can people find you online, Brianna Wu? Space Cat Gal. Nice. Christina? Film underscore girl. And what are the names of your fans going to be called? Like Taylor has her Swifties. Like what are yours? C-Mackies. C-Mackies. Yeah, (laughs) C-Mackies. Nice. All right. I accept it. And you can find me online at Doom Quasar. And as always, if you review us on iTunes or just drop a few stars in the bucket, we super appreciate it. And remember to check out App Camp for Girls. Yes, wait, wait, App wait, Camp for Girls. Before we end the show, like, Simone, how many Twitter followers are you up to these days? Uh, oh, it's so close to 2,000. It's so close. Everybody <laughs> so follows Doom Quasar. So close to 2,000? You should yeah, have like 200,000 Twitter uh, followers. Yeah, if you follow me on Twitter, you get to have insight into my grocery store trips where I go and I I can I experience distress because I can't make decisions and I buy a lot of cheap wine. Um, and you get to experience me like losing my pants and wearing a Snuggie and also intelligent <laughs> insights into world events. You have to figure out what your brand is. You have to figure out what your Twitter brand is and report on that. Like and she's, this is she's left, like left shark yeah. and a snuggie. To be honest, my brand is hot mess, and I I work it. I think if I if you think I don't work it, please drop me a message and tell me how I can be a more refined hot mess. Um, <laughs> apparently, Courtney always gets followers when she tweets about me. Like the day that I left my pants at work and went home with no pants on and didn't realize it, she tweeted the picture of me finding my pants at work where I was almost crying because I was so <laughs> confused and uh, she wait, got a lot so of followers. what did you go home in without your pants? Yeah, I was wait. wearing a long coat, okay, and thick tights. <laughs> People right. don't understand. Okay. You, okay, but you drive, well, you drive, right? So I, I drive, mean, It wasn't yes. like you're taking public transit. Okay, well, then that makes sense. Thank okay, God. Still. And there was a moment I almost stopped at the grocery store that night and I didn't. And then somehow I wait, went wait, home. Wait. Go on. Charles Tan, number one Rocket fan, points out that you have 1991 followers. If four people unfollow you, you could have like, oh, I'm sorry, no, it's 
Three people. Three people unfollow you. Can have Taylor Swift's album. You know, no, yeah, I was but, really but excited when I hit 1990 because I was like, it's my birth year. So, and then I don't say things like that. I'm oh so my sorry. God. I can't even process that. <laughs> I can't even process that. I, oh my god, I can't. Oh. You know, I had that reverse experience when they were talking about the Nintendo World Championships and they were like, they haven't happened in 25 years. And I was like, oh my god, that was so long ago. How could this be? And then I was, I looked at the calendar. I was like, wait, 1990? <gasps> <laughs> and then I felt old. Sorry, everyone hates it when I, when I talk about that. But it's true. I do feel old. And on Love that note, <laughs> we're going to end the show right there. Everyone's coming for my blood. <laughs> this episode of Rocket is terminated. 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 <laughs> <laughs>